Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. <laughs> It's game day, USC football fans. Get up to speed on the Trojans and their opponents with the USCfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. Host Ryan Abraham, Shotgun Spratling, and Keely Ur break down the game from all angles with the in-depth analysis, interviews from the practice field, and expert insights from media members covering the opposition. Let's jump right in and kick things off with USCfootball.com publisher Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the USCfootball.com Peristyle pregame show at USCfootball.com. We cover the Trojans 24 hours a day, 365 days a year with reports, analysis, interviews, podcasts, photos, videos, and lots more. Make sure you check out the site for wall-to-wall USC coverage. The Peristyle pregame show is proudly sponsored by Trader Joe's. As the college football season enters November, it's time to start thinking about Thanksgiving. Stop by Trader Joe's. Pick up a package of Dan Weber's favorite corn pudding, grab a bag of stuffing-flavored potato chips, and check out all the amazing holiday products you can only find at your neighborhood Trader Joe's. All right, let's bring in Keely and Shotgun and give out our awards from the Colorado game. You know, there's so many explosive offensive plays that USC had against Colorado, but you have to give offensive MVP to Michael Pittman, 156 yards on seven receptions, two touchdowns, including the game winner. USC needed someone to step up in the fourth quarter, and that was definitely Michael Pittman. He had over 100 receiving yards just in the fourth quarter alone. Crazy night by Michael Pittman. On the defensive side, let's go with John Houston Jr. The last two weeks, he's had the highest pro football focus grade for a linebacker in the conference, and he had nine tackles, seven solo, plus a pass breakup. So John Houston Jr., our defensive player of the game. Another guy that graded out well as our lineman of the game is Caleb Tremblay. He was on the Pro Football Focus All-Pac-12 team. He had four pressures. He won 16% of his pass rushes as he stepped in in a, in a backup role, stepping into a starter role for Christian Rector. He had a nice game there on the edge. Now on special teams, I'm going to give it to the Aussie Ben Griffiths. He's coming into his own so far. We saw him boom some pumps in, in fall camp, but now now we're starting to see it. He had four punts against Colorado, four, 46.0 yards per punt. So he's getting there, guys. He's getting there. He's getting there. We're starting to see what we saw in practice. Lighting the torch, our play of the game, it has to be the game-winning touchdown by that Michael Pittman Jr. We already mentioned him earlier. He dove for the pylon after a long run after the catch. I think every photographer in the building had a great shot of that one. So everyone saw Michael Pittman supermanning through the air, fighting the pylon, and giving USC the victory. Well, you got to also throw in that Drake London catch on second and 20. That was a beautiful throw and catch from him and Keaton Slovis. But let's look to our head scratcher. You know, what can USC kind of, you know, what just didn't make sense there? It was the tackling. You know, I looked through the, the tape, 21 missed tackles by my count. Ooh. They've got to clean that up, especially with a team like Oregon coming to town. Now, for the fixer-upper, what USC needs to clean up going into this game on Saturday, Keaton Slovis. Now, Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator, said that he's making better decisions throwing the ball, but he needs to make better decisions overall. He had some near turnovers. He did have that interception. 
almost another one when he was trying to get the ball off and not get sacked. Two fumbles that were miraculously recovered by <laughs> USC players. Very much so, yeah. yeah, but he needs to make better decisions under pressure uh, and just be more confident. Now looking at the matchups to watch USC versus Oregon, the one I have circled is Oregon's offensive line versus USC's defensive front. This Ducks offensive line is the best in the conference and maybe even best in the nation. Uh, the Ducks ran for over 300 yards against Washington State last week, so USC's defensive front has to step it up, has to pressure Justin Herbert, and not get gashed in the run game like they did against Notre Dame. Certainly, Keeley. The matchup I'm looking forward to seeing is this USC wide receiver core, the strength of the Trojan team versus Oregon secondary. 207 passing yards per game is all the Ducks are giving up this season. Pretty good in the Pac-12, pretty good in the country, but USC, their bread is buttered with those wide receivers. Those skill position players out there, if USC is going to win this game, it's going to be because of big plays by the Tyler Vonses and the Michael Pittmans and the Amon Rossi Browns of the world. USC needs that matchup to, to win that matchup to have a good chance of beating Oregon. It should be noted, though, they gave up over 400 yards last week through the air. They've given up almost 350 the last two games, so it's going to be up to that deep and, and those DBs on that Oregon sideline, a lot of those guys are from California. There's several guys on this team that are from Southern California, nearly 50 players from the state, only 19 from the state of Oregon. So it's going to be a homecoming for them. That's the matchup I'm looking for. How do these guys react when they come home? This is their one chance to play in front of the home crowd, in front of their friends and family. Do they get a little too high? Do they try to do a little bit too much? We'll see how that kind of works out for them, and especially in that secondary with Thomas Grant. Diamador Lenore, Nick Pickett, all LA-based guys. You know how do they play against the trio that you talked about with Michael Pittman, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Tyler Vaughn? Will be a big matchup there, just like you said. But let's look on the other side. How does USC protect? Keaton Slovis up front, and do can they run the ball against that Oregon defense as well? We caught up with Elijah Vera Tucker this week to talk to him about what to look for against Oregon. I'm here with uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, also known as AVT. Um, Elijah, you know, a lot of people are saying this could be this weekend's game could be a preview of the Pac-12 title game. How do you kind of don't not listen to those comments and kind of not make this game bigger than it is already in your head, in your guys' heads? Uh, well, you know, I think you know we're just gonna go in. Uh, this week, like we do every opponent, uh, you know, go through go through our plans and execute them. Uh, we know we know Oregon's a good team. Uh, you know, they you know they play great. Uh, we know they have a lot of good guys up there. Um, so you know, we know it's a big game. Uh, but you know, we're not gonna let the media or anybody else, you know, try and affect the way we play because we're just gonna go in every week and play, you know, every team like we do. What is jumping out about this Oregon defense and specifically their front when you watch them on film? I think they're very talented guys. Uh, definitely one of the best we'll face this year. Um, but, you know, they're, they're quick, they're big, uh, so you know, it's going to be a good challenge for us. Uh, you know, and our O-line guys, we can't wait for that. Any specific player on the defense that's jumping out to you? Uh, I don't remember his name. Uh, 34, he's pretty good. He seems uh, like a thick guy. Um, but other than that, you know, the overall, you know, they're all just good D-line and, uh, you know, the defense plays well. Just jumping back to Friday and that big Colorado win, have you noticed anything different for, out of the team, you know, after getting that first road win, you know, getting that monkey off their back and kind of moving forward with some more confidence? Uh, I think it definitely gave us a boost, um, you know, winning our first road game. That was a big that was a big one, especially against uh, Colorado, uh, you know, a very good team at home. Um, you know, keeping that, keeping that first place in the South uh, really helped too. So, you know, after that win, you know, we're, we're juiced about it. Um, you know, it's time to move on, and uh, but it really gave us a boost. When you went back and watched the tape, what was jumping out about the offensive line and the job you guys did out there? Uh, well, for uh, 
like all the stunts they do uh, for, you know, how they try and confuse our lines. Uh, I think we did a, you know, pretty good job. Uh, there was a few uh, mishaps, but uh, not too many. So I think we did a very good job. Uh, and then moving the guys off the line too in the run game was really helped as well. Obviously, huge game-winning drive that 12-play, 89-yard drive. How much confidence does that give, not just a guy like Keaton, but like the whole offensive unit? Uh, well, I think for us that just shows you know what we can do in a certain amount of time. Uh, you know, we play fast and do what we need to do, and everybody executes their job. Uh, you know, we're very dangerous, and uh, I think we've known that you know for a while now. But you really saw it uh, Friday night, Colorado. What's it been like blocking for a guy like Keaton, who is so good at moving around the pocket and buying time? What's that been like for you guys? Uh, we know Keaton's a great player. Uh, you know, in practice, you know, he's, he's a great uh, leader as well. Um, so, you know, I think just, you know, blocking for him, you know, I block for him just like I do any quarterback like JT or Matt. Um, you know, for any quarterback who's back there, you know, we're going to block our butts off for him. Uh, you know, Keaton's a great leader, and I think he's a great quarterback as well, and, you know, he gets the job done. So it's good to know. And last question, what do you feel like the offensive line is doing really well going into November? Uh, I think we're, you know, doing very well with our pass protection. Um, also improving on our run game as well. Uh, you know, I think our double teams are getting very good. And, um, you know, I think dealing with blitzes and, you know, dealing with a lot of what other teams bring uh, against us is, uh, you know, we're doing really well. So, Thanks, AVT. All right, great stuff from Elijah Vera Tucker. Got to watch what this USC offensive line is able to do against Oregon's front seven. They get a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, but they haven't so much the last couple of weeks. Against Washington State, they dropped a lot of guys back into coverage. Are USC going to go with five wides again? Are they going to have to drop people back? They're probably going to blitz a little bit more, so you have to see this offensive line pick that up a little bit. I think they want to generate more pressure than they have the last couple of weeks, but this is certainly one of those matchups you guys got to watch. And it looks like USC will get Drew Richmond back at full strength and moving Jalen McKenzie back to guard. So it looks like USC will have their starters back there. And if you give Keaton Slovis time, I think you'll definitely see some more production out of him. I think the important thing will be running the ball against this front as well. I mean, Jordan Scott is the number 34 that uh, Elijah Vera Tucker was referencing. they got to be able to push him off the ball. And it's kind of a 3-4 defense. They move some guys around a little bit. They've got some spectacular freshmen and Mace Funa and Kayvon Thibodeau. Can they limit them a little bit? You know, those guys have been able to get to the quarterback. But if they are dropping a lot of guys, you got to be able to run the ball against them. So I think it starts starts with the run game and then getting to Keaton Slovis and the receivers. Yeah, protection is going to be key. Oregon also gets Troy Dye back he's their leading tackler so that should help this Oregon defense switching to the other side of the ball you got to talk about Justin Herbert you know six foot six 230 pounds a lot of people feel he's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft he hasn't been asked to throw the ball that much because they're running the football so well but he's got that rocket arm he's capable of making big throws but you got to stop Oregon's run but you can't let Justin Herbert beat you with his arm either and especially because the wide receivers are playing much better this season than they were last year. I mean, they led the country last year in drops. Now they've been playing much better. Some of the young guys are stepping up. Even Micah Pittman, you know, little brother of Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, you also see Brian Addison, who's a your local guy. Jalen Red, who's a local guy. A lot of local guys helping out there uh, on the offensive side. And they do really, really good job with their screen game and their misdirection. And those two things that, that really bothered USC early in the season, but they cleaned up the screen game. Can they do it against Oregon? That's where they had a lot of success in that Washington game in particular. How do the, how does USC kind of attack that and, and be able to mitigate that? If they can, then I think that they have a great chance of being uh, of slowing down the Oregon offense. And the key for Herbert is that when he gets into a rhythm, he's hard to stop. So USC has to get to him fast and early in the game. 
to make sure that he doesn't get in a rhythm. And USC does get Christian Rector back this week. He says he's 100%. So I'm wondering what they'll use on the ends, whether they'll go speed or, or use a more traditional front. And, yeah. and one of the other things to look at is can USC slow the run game so that they don't have to worry as much about the play action? That's when Justin Herbert gets going really good is when they're running the ball well and then they can pop those play action passes over the top. Yeah, they run the ball really well. That play action pass is going to be deadly. So certainly a lot of things this USC defense is going to have to take care of a little bit later on today. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our player perspective segment where Keely Yor breaks things down with former USC All-American safety Taylor Mays. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back to the uscfootball.com Paris style pregame show. In this segment, we will look at the game from a player's perspective with host Keely Ur and former USC All-American safety Taylor Mays. We're back with another edition of Player's Perspective. Taylor, thanks so much for coming back on. Keely, what's going on? Before we dive into it, we have to thank our sponsors. But Taylor, help me out here. Special thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring our show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California, and you can find them online at PlatinumStorage.com. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Now USC is facing a big test. Number seven, Oregon, is coming into the Coliseum. First up, when I look at this matchup, the big guy that stands out is Justin Herbert. What do you yeah. see from this potential first-round quarterback? Well, to be honest, I'm not really sold on him. Like, if we're talking about in terms of an NFL quarterback with an NFL arm, I'm not sure yet. What I think he does really well is he can manage the football game. If you look at his stats, he's thrown 22 uh, touchdowns this season. He's only thrown one interception. I think that just within this offense and within this team, he's perfect for it. And you can't deny the stats. He's second all time to the great Marcus Mariota in every major stat at the University of Oregon. So I don't want to take anything away from him. However, I don't know if he's as great of a quarterback as everybody says, but he's great in this system. And that happens a lot of times in college football. One of the stats that really interested me about Justin Herbert is He's 113 for 139, which is 81% with 12 touchdowns when he throws the ball from within the pocket in less than two and a half seconds. I know that's kind of a long stat, but I think it's important because he's great at dropping back and getting rid of the ball and not really moving to his right or his left. And I think that could be a key in this game for us. Clancy loves to blitz and We've done relatively well this year bringing a lot of blitzes from either side of the field, and hopefully we can get Herbert off of his game by bringing a blitz either from directly in front of him or from his blind side. But the key to it is is 
if we bring a blitz from the outside and he steps up, he's still going to be able to get rid of the ball. We need our interior defense alignment to get a push so that when we bring the blitz from the outside, he can't step up and then he has to roll out and maybe throw the ball outside of the pocket, which is really away from his bread and butter as a quarterback. That's going to be a tall task for USC's defensive front, though, just because Oregon's offensive line is considered the best in the Pac-12 and maybe in the nation. We don't often talk about offensive lines on this show, but Uh I think there's a good reason to with Oregon. What makes them so good? If you just look just at the left side of their offensive line with Penny Sewell and Shane Lemieux, both guys are preseason All-Americans, midseason All-Americans. I think they're really the heart of this offensive line. This offensive line has a ton of starts together. They play very well together. And one thing I'll say about this Oregon offensive the line is for a lot of years I felt like Oregon was always labeled a finesse team this is a physical football team this is the most physical football team that we've seen and Mario Cristobal has really changed the mentality and the attitude of this team and I think the offensive line really leads the way in the way that they want to play physically and this Oregon offensive line is able to read and react to what the defensive front is doing. They're able to pass and deliver blitzers. I think that just comes from the experience that they have and being able to communicate with each other mid-play because they've seen so many defenses during the course of their careers together. And that's something that really only experience can do for an offensive line. And I think, like you said, you know, normally we talk about skill position players For once, we're talking about an offensive line because this offensive line is that good. And they're that good because, one, of course, they have great players, but they also just play really well together. And it's going to be a huge challenge for us to get penetration against this offensive line and pressure against this quarterback. We've already talked about it so far on this show, but... Thus, a key matchup is going to be USC's run defense versus Oregon's rushing attack. C.J. Verdell had 257 yards against Wazoo last week. So in your mind, what's going to be key for USC in that matchup? Our run defense versus Oregon's rushing attack is one of two critical matchups in the football game. The other one being our receivers versus their defensive backs. We have to stop the run. One thing that we've done well sometimes during the season is play pretty good run defense. But we just haven't been consistent enough. It would really help us if we were able to get EA back for this game. And what EA does is he sets the tempo as being a physical inside linebacker. He gets downhill and he attacks the blockers. And that's something that we've struggled with on defense is in our perimeter run defense, we're not physical on the outside. If you look at it on film, you see corners, you see outside linebackers. They have blockers coming to them, and they don't go and attack them. And what happens is the blocker, as he's coming to our defender, our defender stands there flat-footed, and it just creates more space for running backs to make moves. Our defenders have to go and attack guys, and the problem is when they don't do that, the running back, he just strings out long runs. He has a wider cutback angle, and EA is great at getting downhill. On paper, it'll really help us getting Christian Rector back because he's a big body. You know, he's been a starter for a while. He's a captain and, you know, a leader for this defense. But our run defense versus Oregon's rushing attack is crucial in this game because what happens is is if they run the ball for five yards on first down, they're getting in second and fives, they're controlling the clock, then our offense only gets, you know, a couple possessions a half. That's how Oregon beats teams. They just run the ball down their throat. And 
Our defense has to be physical at the point of attack, and we have to attack the blockers. Now, when it comes to Keaton Slovis, I think he had another game where you have brilliant moments from him, but you also have some true freshman yeah. moments from him. Graham Harrell said he's making better decisions, throwing the ball, but that's going to be crucial against this Oregon secondary. They have 14 yeah. interceptions on the season. Yeah. He can't make a mistake against them. Yeah, this Oregon secondary is ranked second in the Pac-12 in pass defense, only giving up 207 passing yards a game. They know how to create turnovers. They know how to disguise coverages. They know how to move around. And one thing we need to see from Keaton is he needs to learn how to slide. I, I really appreciate his will to win and him trying to get the extra yard. But some plays, you can't try to make something from nothing. In the game, the play where he was running down at the three- or four-yard line, he tried to run over a defender, and he got hit in the leg and fumbled. I felt like in his head he was trying to be John Elway in the Super Bowl against the Packers, where John Elway kind of got helicoptered and he got up excited. Keaton, we don't need that from you because for several reasons. We don't want to potentially turn over the ball. And two, we need him to stay healthy. He took a lot of hits in this football game. Some of those hits aren't his fault, but... He needs to learn the difference from being able to try and get an extra yard and just get down and take a slide. And the other thing is just being smart with the football. He made some great throws in the game, as good as anybody in college football. But in the fourth quarter, when you're trying to flip the ball to Keenan and it was potentially a catastrophic play, uh, kind of bounced around and Keenan didn't catch it, but the Colorado guys didn't catch it, that play could have lost us the football game. Same play with the blitz where he fumbled. I don't want to blame that on him, but if he feels pressure, he's got to get down because that if they would have fallen on the ball, if that grass would have been an inch longer or an inch shorter, that would have, we could have lost the game just based primarily off that one play. And sometimes it only comes down to one play, and you don't know when that play is going to happen. Well, it looks like USC's running back depth is going to be essentially the same given the injuries that they're still struggling with. Thus, we'll see more of an air raid, five-wide type of offense from yeah. USC, which plays directly into one of the matchups that you had circled coming into this game, yeah. USC's wide receivers versus Oregon secondary. Yeah, this is the second key matchup of the game. Obviously, Oregon secondary, a lot of interceptions. They've covered really well. They do not give up a ton of yards. And the interesting thing is Oregon played Washington State last week. A similar air raid-esque type of offense, but I would have to say that our air raid is Washington State's air raid plus a lot better athletes. So it'd be very interesting to see how our guys match up against these Oregon defenders. I think our wide receivers are our pride and joy of our football team. Normally it's a running back, normally it's quarterback. This year for us, it's our wide receivers. This Oregon defense plays a lot of three down linemen and drops potentially eight guys into pass coverage. We've struggled against this in the past. Defense is not respecting our run game and just basically playing super prevent defense. What'll be key for us is if they're playing zone defense, our receivers have to run their routes at the correct landmarks. We want to be able to spread the field as wide as possible, and we can't have our receivers run into zones that are too close to each other because then we don't put enough stress on their zone defenders. That's something that we've seen uh, in weeks past. Our guys are running their routes and kind of standing too close to each other, and it makes it very easy. It doesn't put stress or pressure on uh, the opponent's defenders. Our guys have to do that. And Keaton's accuracy is going to get tested in this game. He's gotten away with a couple throws where he didn't really put the ball where he needed to put it. But because our wide receivers are so good, they compensated for him. 
I think what Oregon does is they close a lot of windows and the windows that look open by the time the ball gets there, it's interception. It's a pass breakup. This game is going to really test Keaton. He's going to have to go through his read and get the ball out because if he doesn't, if he hesitates, if he pump fakes, it's either going to be a sack, it's going to be an interception, or it's going to be a pass breakup. Well, Mr. Mace, it's that time of the segment. Yeah. Your 7-1 and one record is on the line. 7-1 and one with an asterisk, but... Sure. How do you think this one's going to go on Saturday? So this USC team's been you know, inconsistent this season, and one thing we've done that's really bothered me is we play well against you know, the teams that are ranked, but we don't carry that same energy into the teams that we should just blow out. I think USC, like just like we did, obviously with Stanford, who was ranked at the time, but with Utah, with Notre Dame, I think we'll go toe-to-toe with them because obviously we have the athletes to do it. These type of football games come down to two or three plays in the fourth quarter. That's what they come down to. Can we upset them? I can't go against USC, so I'm going to say that we beat them 31-28. to Because even if I thought we were going to lose the game, I have too much pride and loyalty to the University of Southern California to bet against my school. If USC loses, no, none of this asterisk business. If USC loses this game, I'll take that as my first real loss, (laughs) and it'll be I'll be seven and two. uh, You'll be seven uh, and two. Yeah, but I just I don't feel comfortable going against USC. So you got to remain loyal. I think that's that's one of the best qualities that you can have. It is a quality of a Trojan. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. All righty. Well, Taylor, thanks so much for coming on. We'll see how your prediction goes. Thank you. All righty. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going behind enemy lines. Welcome back to the USCfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. In this segment, host Ryan Abraham will go behind enemy lines and get insight on the game from USC's opponent's point of view. Before we get to our guests, I'd like to thank Trader Joe's for their sponsorship of the USCfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. The next time you visit the USC campus, check out the Trader Joe's at the USC Village where you'll find food and drink from the everyday to the oddly interesting, all at amazing prices. You can't miss the store. It's in the red brick building. All right, let's welcome our guest, Matt Preem. Follow him on Twitter at Matt, P-R-E-H-M. He does a great job covering the Oregon Ducks for Duck Territory here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Thanks for coming on, Matt. How are you doing? Doing good, Ryan. Doing good. Excited for this game. Excited to come down to weather that's going to be 50 degrees warmer than where I'm at right now. Let's jump in and talk about this game. First of all, what do you think is the biggest reason for Oregon's improvement on offense. I think they were really talented last year, but maybe didn't see the results. Now I think you're starting to see the results a lot more this year. I think it's two two reasons. Um, the biggest one is that Panay Sewell is healthy. I I think he's the best offensive lineman in the country. He's almost every year, or excuse me, every week on the Pro Football Focus offensive line uh, of the week for the nation, uh, not just the Pac-12. Panay Sewell is going to be a top five top 10 NFL draft pick in the 2020 NFL draft. The only thing that's keeping him going in this year's draft is he's just not draft eligible because he's a true sophomore. Last year, he got hurt against Washington and missed the last half of the football season. And it was very evident of the impact of that, you know, the next couple of games of, you know, Oregon couldn't get as good of a push. Oregon couldn't uh, protect Herbert for as long on the backside because, he was not out on the football field. And so I think that's the obvious one. And then I think they've improved the receiving core. Um, last year's group, uh, and whether that's either internal development, you know, I, I think guys like Jalen Red and Johnny Johnson, both juniors, 
Um, they have seen significant improvement in their game from when they were sophomores last year. Um, Johnny Johnson was, you could not rely on him to catch a football as a sophomore, which was really weird because he made a ton of big catches as a, as a true freshman, but he's really turned things around this year as a junior and as a go-to guy for them. Red has scored a touchdown. He, had, he just had a streak broken where he'd scored six ga- uh, touchdowns in six straight games. So he he was a guy that's really improved his game. And then they've just brought in guys. You know, Micah Pittman, a four-star re- recruit, a top 50 guy in the country. Juwan Johnson is, is a grad transfer. And USC fans might look at Oregon stats and notice he hasn't done much. But he's finally gotten healthy from an injury that's basically kept him out of action for six the first six games of the season. Um, so they've had some improvements at the receiver core and the health of Panay Sewell this week or this season from compared to last year is the big reasons why. Justin Herbert, absolute stud at quarterback. Uh, he hasn't run that much this year. Only one pick, so that's an improvement from last year. How would you rate how he's played so far this season? I, I would probably give him a B plus. Um, I think there were a couple of games where you you maybe wanted to see him take over and throw a little bit more, be more, be a bit more aggressive. Uh, Auburn being one, you know, Oregon's coaches came out and said that they really didn't take that many downfield shots in that football game because so many receivers were young. But you go watch the Washington game from two weeks ago. Uh, that was two quarterbacks that are in Jacob Eason of Washington and Herbert of Oregon that are going to be picked in the first round. And they were dueling it out. When Herbert Herbert's deal is, I think if, if he gets into rhythm, uh, he's a rhythm quarterback. If he gets into rhythm early in the football game, He's going to be really, really good. Uh, like what we saw against Washington this year, what we saw against Stanford last uh, last season when he completed like 28 straight passes. Or if he doesn't get into rhythm, you, you kind of see what happened against Washington State uh, where you know he, he didn't throw more than, I think, 12 passes in the first half. And he, he, he had missed some guys that were, that were totally open. But the difference being is, is what makes him – you know, a first round draft pick is when it was a clutch situation and, and they needed to, you know, a drive down the field in the final minute to win the game against the Cougars. He completed all passes. Um, I, I think from the running standpoint, like they, they're just not asking him to do that anymore. Uh, the, the risk and the reward is is it's too much of a risk for the reward that they're going to get out of it. You know, I, so I'd kind of give him a, a B plus grade. I don't think there's any question that Oregon has the best offensive line in the conference. What does it mean? Or was it meant to the Ducks offense that group has played so well this year? Oh, it's it's everything. I mean, that that's that's Crystal Ball's position that he he coaches. He helps, you know, he has Alex Maribel, an offensive line coach that helps him there. But, you know, you watch practice and we haven't been able to since training camp. When we were in that in training camp and watching practice, that's that's Crystal Ball's baby. You know, he has himself, he has Maribel. And there's always a grad assistant working with the offensive line. And then oftentimes there's a fourth, you know, sometimes they'll have the tight ends coach, Bobby Williams, you know, they'll, they'll bring the tight ends over to the offensive line and they'll have four coaches working on with five guys in one drill at a time. So, you know, they get a ton of, a ton of hands-on coaching. Uh, they've, they've recruited that position extremely well the last couple of seasons. They have five seniors along the offensive line, four of which have been at Oregon and played and started consistently uh, for this team since they were redshirt freshmen in 2016. You know, they're very experienced, they're very physical, uh, and, and they're a group that's got total synergy right now along the offensive line. Looking over to the defensive side of the football, that's a five-game stretch giving up single-digit points, which was crazy. I gave up some more points over the last couple of weeks playing the Washington schools, but how have you assessed how this uh, Oregon defense has played this year? 
Yeah, I, I think the, the stretch where they had five straight games of, of nine or less points, it, it's a sign of that they're good defense and that they have the talent to do special things. But that's kind of what was expected of them, maybe not holding an opponent under 10 uh, every game. But the offenses that they played, I mean, Nevada was is a bad offense, and they were starting a true freshman quarterback. Montana is an FCS school. Stanford's quarterback, KJ Costello, was severely limited because of an injury on his throwing hand. California's quarterback was starting quarterback was hurt in that football game. So they were playing a backup and already their offense is limited. And then Colorado was all banged up. And so you look at those games and they kind of did what they, what they, what an elite defense should do dominate, you know, now the last couple of weeks they've, they've played significantly better offensive teams in Washington and Washington state. The Cougars lead the conference in scoring and yards. Huskies are, I think third in the conference in scoring, um, so, you know, they're, they're playing now the better half of the conference's teams offensively, at least. And, you know, naturally the, the points are going up a little bit and significantly the last two weeks. Cause you know, I think Washington scored 31, uh, and Washington state scored 35 like, against Oregon's defense. So that's a, a significant increase, but you also have to tip the cap to the teams that they're playing and that the, just the competition is greatly improved. Who are some of the stars on this uh, Oregon defense? It looks like uh, Troy Dye is good. One of those stars is going to be back this week. Yeah, Dye will be back. Cristobal announced that on Monday, and then again on Wednesday said the same thing uh, that that Dye has played. He he he's practiced every day, and he's good to go. And kind of really hammering home the fact that he he's telling us that Dye is playing um, defensively. Javon Holland has really emerged at the nickelback position. He kind of plays all over the defense. He can play nickel, safety, even corner if they really need him to. Um, he's he's kind of entered the discussion of, is he Oregon's best defensive player overall? And that's not a slight to Troy Dye. Um, I just think Holland is, has really elevated his game a little bit uh, more than what was expected of him this this season. Uh, and, and you've got two corners, Diomede Lenore, Thomas Graham. Graham's a three-year starter. He started since he got here. Lenore, this is his second season starting. And, you know, Oregon's very high on those two guys at the cornerback positions. And then up front, it's going to be Jordan Scott. I think that's the guy that gets lost in the shuffle. Um, he plays nose tackle, and that's a position where you just don't put up stats at that spot because of double teams and, and triple teams even. We've seen Jordan Scott get triple teamed continually. Um, that's going to be another guy to, to, to watch because he's very good at, at disrupting, you know, offensive linemen. There's a, there's a, a clip of him against the Huskies from 2018 when he by himself basically stopped the Washington offense on a fourth and one dive play from the, to the quarterback by himself because he blew up the offensive line. Uh, if you like offense and defensive linemen, watch Jordan Scott. Overall, the Ducks lead the nation with 14 picks. Uh, they lead the conference with 23 sacks third in the country in turnover margin and USC is last in the conference in turnover margin. And it looks like it's turnovers could always be a big deal, but this is something that Oregon does really well. And USC doesn't do that well. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you Washington, or excuse me, Oregon's pass rush. They lost Gus Cumberlander, a defensive end. Oh, what was it? Like three or four weeks ago against Colorado, uh, excuse me, against California. And ever since that game, they've, They've played three games without him, Colorado, Washington, and Washington State. And ever since that game, they have not been able to get to the quarterback as often as they had the previous five games of the season. 
I'm not going to say Gus Cumberland is the sole reason for that and his loss, but at the same time, you have to acknowledge that, you know, a key starter from your group is now not playing because of a season ending injury and your numbers are going down. Crystal Ball acknowledged that this week that they've got to do a better job at, at finding ways to get to the quarterback. They didn't, they had one sack against Washington and that came the final drive uh, against the Huskies. Uh, and then they had another, they had just one sack against Washington state. Now part of that's scheme, you know, Cougars get the ball out pretty quickly, but there were plenty of opportunities to get sacks and they just didn't do it. So I, I think if, if, if this is going to be a game where if, if USC can protect, uh, Slovis at quarterback, you know, he's going to have a good amount of time to get, get the ball downfield to his receivers, because for whatever reason, you know, Oregon's pass rush has dipped a little bit since Cumberlander has been out, but if Oregon can, you know, t- I asked Andy Avalos, the defensive coordinator this week, of, you know, what makes this defense so good on third downs. Uh, he mentioned that they're able to, you know, scheme things up, disguise some coverages, and and create pressures. And you know, th- they were one of nine on third down against the Cougars last week, and that's going to be critical again. If they can get USC into some third and long situations, get them behind schedule, then then you might see the turnover factor play in. But if if they can't, I, it wouldn't surprise me if this is a pretty clean game offensively from both teams. Matt does a great job covering the Oregon Ducks for DuckTerritory.com. Make sure you check out his stuff. Thanks, Matt. Hey, I appreciate it. All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back for our final segment here on the Peristyle pregame show. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the uscfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. Here's your host, Ryan Abraham. We're going to finish up the show with Chris Trevino's five bold predictions for the Oregon game. Hear from USC linebacker Elijah Winston from practice. And finally, Keely Shotgun and myself will give injury updates and also our final game predictions. Thanks to Platinum Storage and the store local companies for sponsoring the uscfootball.com Peristyle pregame show. Platinum Storage has locations all around Southern California, and you can find them online at PlatinumStorage.com. All right, here's Chris Trevino's predictions. This is Chris Trevino with uscfootball.com, and these are my five predictions for USC versus Oregon. Prediction number one, zero picks for Justin Herbert or Keaton Slovis. This one has me a little bit nervous just because Oregon leads the country with 14 interceptions, but Slovis has shown poise in front of a pick-heavy defense, i.e. Notre Dame, and he was clean for three quarters following that pick against Colorado. Herbert has been great taking care of the ball with just one interception this season and zero on the road. Overall, I foresee a great QB battle on Saturday. Prediction number two, Drake London with another 50-plus yard game. 
After a mini-breakout performance in the Stanford win, London essentially disappeared with zero receptions in four consecutive weeks, but he's gotten back on track with 11 receptions for 137 yards in the last two games, including a career night versus Colorado with seven catches for 85 yards, including that clutch 19-yard grab on second and 20. The slowest to London connection is rolling hot right now, so don't be surprised for another solid night on Saturday. Prediction number three, C.J. Verdell goes for at least 100 rushing yards. You will see what hosts the Pac-12's leading rusher in Verdell, an explosive smaller back, you know, the kind that has given the USC defense problems in the past. Verdell is coming off a monster game of 257 rushing yards and three touchdowns against Washington State. He's been hot in general as two weeks ago he gashed Colorado for 171 yards. So why do I think he'll have a big game this week? Well, missed tackles and edge containment issues aside, Washington State's run defense is ranked 100th in the country, while USC is only four spots higher at number 96. Prediction number four, USC converts at least one fourth down. Seeing as this is one of the biggest games of the season, and I predicted USC to beat Oregon in my season-long predictions, I foresee a close game. I also foresee a critical junction in this game where USC will have to go for it on fourth down. Now, USC is number 24th in the country on fourth down conversions at 66%. Not bad. On the other hand, Oregon has allowed eight fourth down conversions at a 50% clip. It hurts not having the big back like Marquis Stepp, who's been excellent in short yardage situations this season, but I still like USC's chances at home to get one. Prediction number five, a third consecutive game with a Keenan Kristen touchdown. In two games this season, Kristen has 180 yards from scrimmage, that's a 7.5 yards per touch average, and three touchdowns. Those three scores already match the season output for Marquis Stepp and Stephen Carr. We'll likely see something similar to the Colorado game with a lot more five wideout sets and less emphasis on the running back, but I still like number 23 to get a chance for a score this weekend. Again, this is Chris Trevino with USCFootball.com, and those are my five predictions for USC versus Oregon. Some interesting predictions from Chris Trevino here. I'm going to look at Keenan Kristen getting another touchdown. He had a touchdown two weeks ago. Last week on the road against Colorado, look what Washington State was able to do against Oregon last week. Max Borgie, he had eight rushes for 54 yards and a touchdown, but also eight catches for 70 yards. I think you could have a speedy back, and Kristen and, and Borgie are both that, get some success against this Oregon defense. So I think Kristen's going to get that touchdown that Chris predicted. You know, I'm looking at Chris's second bold prediction, Drake London with another 50-plus yard game. I talked to London this week. He said the game's really slowed down for him. He's getting a handle of it. He, you know, this is he's a true freshman, so a lot to take in in his first season, but I think he's getting the hang of it. I think it's going to depend on how USC tries to attack this Oregon defense. You know, if they go four wides, they go five wides, then definitely Drake London gets in there. And then, you know, I think the number one, no interceptions for Slovis probably falls to the wayside because I think the more you throw it, the more chance that's going to happen, especially with those DBs. They're kind of ball hawks back there. It depends on whether they use the tight ends more this game and try to run the ball against that three-man front or if they try to spread things out. They only used Eric Cromanhook seven snaps last week. They used the H-back only four snaps so you know it could just depend on how USC tries to attack this I think on the other side of the ball though I think CJ Verdell is probably going for 100 year rushing yards the only thing that may hold him back is how they rotate their running backs and use different guys besides that I, I think that the way they've been running the ball and the way he in particular is coming off of one of the the biggest all-purpose yard performances this season in FBS I, I think that he's going to get that 100 yards yeah shotgun CJ Verdell leading the Pac-12 in rushing right now USC's got to do something to try to limit his production. All right, we're going to hear from another player 
USC linebacker Elijah Winston. Interestingly, his brother, Lamar, plays linebacker for the Oregon Ducks. He got turf toe, was banged up a little bit, was playing inside. They moved him back outside. See, he might get some run in this game. We wanted to talk to Elijah about what he thinks about this Oregon matchup. I'm here with uh, linebacker Elijah Winston. Uh, Elijah, obviously this game has a little bit more importance to you being you know, an Oregon native and obviously your older brother plays on the Ducks. Um, I got to ask, has there been any trash talking this week going on with him coming to town? Honestly, no, not that much. More, more so because uh, I told him as soon as he called me on Monday, <laughs> I told him, look, I just want to let my work do the speaking this time. I don't want to talk a lot of mess. I don't want to try to get in, get in your head and tell you that we're doing this and y'all doing such and such. I just want to show you that we're more than capable of competing with you guys. And after that, we was now we're just working, like we're practicing. Basically, we we trying to perfect our craft because when the next time we talk is going to be after the game. So that's for sure. So after that phone call, I know. Now this week is just time to perfect your craft and be ready. Be ready for your opportunity. How do you guys not make this game you know, more important than it is. I mean, you know, people are talking about this could be a preview of the Pac-12 title game, North versus South. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of uh, storylines, just a lot of SoCal kids are on the Oregon team. They're coming home. So how do you not make this game more important? I know it's a big game, oh. but how do you not over blow out the importance or All get that, it caught up in the hype? All that goes into practice. Like, at the end of the day, if you practice like it's Saturday every day, then come Saturday, it's going to feel like a practice. Because you've been putting your you've been putting your best foot forward every day this week, so then it leads you to be more comfortable when you're ready ready to just play the game. You don't have to think. You can move fast. And you can just anticipate and react. And that's that's the biggest part about making this making this game as simple as simple as, as it can be. Just don't overthink it. And if you put in all your work that you need to do, then you you will feel comfortable come Saturday morning when you're prep when you're preparing for it when you're going to meetings and then when you're ready for the game you just let your work and everything that you did the week of you let all that work do the speaking getting into specifics what have you seen from Oregon from watching their tape specifically that offensive line which is a lot of experience number one rated left tackle in the country right now going to be a tough matchup for you guys oh yeah they're they're great players honestly all, all from both of the tackles Panay to um, the other tackle as well they're both really talented players but iron sharpens iron. That's, that's the best line I have for that. Like, at the end of the day, you can be as talented as you want, but when we come, we are going to put our all. We are going to fight for our lives out there because that's what we do. We put it on the line and we commit. And no matter how good the opponent is, it all comes down to how good you are mentally, what you can mentally handle. Your mental capacity is what will what will more so be the factor of that outcome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. okay. Thanks, Elijah. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm ready to run through the wall. Let's go. I mean, I'm, I don't know why this guy's not speaking in front of the team every week and getting everybody fired up. I mean, that was terrific. He's just got so much energy and brings that, uh, you know, every time we talk to him, it's so much fun to talk to a guy like that, that, uh, you know, it's fun seeing him back on the field now, finally. Yeah, it was a great interview. I was very motivated. I didn't know he was that motivational. Yeah, I got to talk to him at the end of fall camp. He was so exciting to talk to. It was a bummer that he goes out with the turf toe, but he was outside, moved inside. Now he's moved back outside again with the whole 
injury situation. We did get to see him play against Colorado. We might see a little bit more of him because there's a lot of injuries going on with USC. But getting some players back, come guys, some guys shifting in and out. Keely, what's the update on USC's injury situation right now? Yeah, USC's still banged up but does get some key players back. Chris Steele was out against Colorado with a knee tweak. He practiced this week and looks good to go. Christian Rector, someone who's been uh, hampered by that ankle injury, looks good to go. Told Shotgun he's 100%, right, Shotgun? That's what he said. So we'll see You yeah. know, if he has the lateral mobility. That's the, the big question there. And if he can get that burst coming off the edge. You know, last season people forget he had 38 combined pressures if he can get some pressure on the quarterback I think that changes things up front especially since Drake Jackson doesn't look like he's going to be back this week yeah it looks like Drake Jackson is ruled out as well as Vavai Malapai, Stephen Carr and Marquis Stepp uh, but the new wrinkle we saw at practice this week Pali Ie Naotaote who was out with an ankle injury did return uh, did some work he wouldn't really give into it didn't want to give any uh, game uh, plan away with how he will be used but shotgun if Pali Ie does return to that linebacker core how do you see him rotating in with Kanai Maga? I think there's similar players. And talking to John Houston this week, you know, I said, "What's different when Kanai is in there?" He said, "There's nothing really. You know, he knows the calls, and they're both downhill type of guys. So I think you get a similar player in Kanai and EA. But I think EA is a little bit more explosive. So I think you want to get him in there, but you don't have to overwork him, maybe. And maybe that you know take alleviate some of the pressure off of him to try to do too much because just hey, go in there and make your plays. And if he can do that, then I think he adds another element to that defense. A guy that can run." sideline to sideline so well yeah and like I mentioned the running back situation is pretty much the same this week as it was against Colorado so look for Keenan Kristen the speedy freshman to get more playing time uh, come Saturday all right well let's do our game predictions I think I'm going to start off here for you guys I think Oregon's going to win this one. Yeah, thir- I'm going to go 35-28. This just looks like a really tough Oregon team. They can run the football well. I think they can control the clock and run the ball pretty well against USC. So I think USC is going to score some points, but I don't think it's going to be enough to overcome Oregon. So I'll go 35-28 Oregon. I'm looking at the game outside the game. The game on the rap battlefield, and that's going to be Elijah Griffin's father, Warren G., versus Cross Patton's father, who plays for Oregon, Big Boy from Outcast. Wow, and what being, a matchup. Being from outside of Atlanta, I'm going to have to go with Big Boy in this one. I'm going with Oregon to win this game. I think it'll be pretty close, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the Ducks to win. All right, well, I'm going the opposite direction of you both. I don't know why, but I have a gut feeling USC's going to pull one out, a close one, 38-35, to 35, an upset for the Trojans. All right, we'll see what happens. Thanks for hanging with us early on USC game day for Oregon Week. Thanks to our sponsors, Trader Joe's and Platinum Storage, plus our contributors, Keely Yor, Shotgun Spratling, Chris Trevino, Matt Preem, and Taylor Mays. Make sure you check back on KABC Radio Fridays at midnight for the Peristyle pregame show. Enjoy the game, and we will talk to you next time. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.